Hello and welcome to Contemporary Cage, an informed and expert look at notorious actor Nicolas Cage's contemporary filmography. On this week's episode, we're watching the 2009 film, Knowing. How's it going? This is good. I feel better than ever. I feel better than ever. We just finished watching the movie. We came straight up to the recording studio. We're like, boom, we're going to get it done. We're going to hit it. This one's a hot ticket. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, as I said earlier, we watched the 2009 film Knowing. Um, and but we're not, we don't need you guys to be knowing all about how we feel about the movie just yet. <laughs> First, I want to ask you, Derek, yeah. how are you doing? Mm. Yeah, I'm a little scramble-brained. Yeah, that movie kind of had that effect on me as well. Um, I think there's, there's something about the mental space that watching a, just a really bad movie, um, the mental space that that puts you in, yeah. it, it, like, to me, it evokes... Like, I had the same experience last week when we were recording. It, it kind of feels like that state um, that you get into, that mindset that you get into when, like, it's a, like a slumber party and you're all, like, staying up way too late. Like, that, and just, like, watching whatever, like, bad shit's on TV and making fun of that and mm -hmm. just, like, too tired but also, like, in this sort of, like, uh, state of hysteria laughing with your friends. That's kind of, like, the mindset that, like, watching a really bad unintelligible movie where it's just like none of this makes sense this is like the weird amalgamation of all of these like poor choices and sort of lack of consideration and uh and trying to like watch that and and follow it it <laughs> it, it does something to your brain yes it's drugs yes it does this is drugs I'm drugged out on the cage, man. It's weird. I didn't expect. Uh, I ev I feel like every week I'm saying like uh, one of the things that I didn't predict when I like originally came up with the idea for this movie. Um, but like this week's thing that I hadn't predicted that I've now like come to learn is that I don't think this is good for my brain. <laughs> I think this is bad for my brain. I think it's making me a stupider person. Those are some. Those are some, uh, you know, big uh, accusations to bring on to the cage man's body of work and the <sighs> the beautiful piece of art. I thought you just said we weren't going to get into the movie and you wanted to know how I was feeling. Well, I'm just more talking about like, our, well, this is just like a conversation about the process of the podcast, right? Oh, a little behind the scenes. This is like, you know... At years from now, when they like discover the podcast studio, it was some like uh, reporter discovers the podcast studio and it's like tracing back how we went mad and lost our minds. They're going to find these audio recordings. And this is like, you know, like in video games and stuff, you find those early recordings of like, huh, it seems like something's a little off here, but I'm sure everything's okay. Where it's just like the ramblings, the slow descent into the ramblings of a madman. Well, where, do, where does it, where do, what's our what's the destination here um well we're gonna lose our minds i think at the end of this is this not what you signed on oh my god you look terrified well the movie was bad enough that's true was, that was punishment enough um but you, you know what i'm talking about like in bioshock or something you're picking up audio logs no i know what you mean and then um you're like oh 
Yeah. The overseer seems kind of weird. Well, as long <laughs> as I got my job or yeah. whatever, and then it's time like, to go back to this normal mundane stuff, which is about like as soon as we depart from like this sort of meaningful exploration of what's to come and like get back onto the meat of the podcast that's going to be like the diver <laughs> the divergence <laughs> of us like being like oh it's probably not that not anything to pay attention to that we're like slowly losing our minds watching these bad movies week after week and we're only four weeks in this is our fourth um cage movie that we've watched but it is a weird thing the effect of like <sighs> Just it's kind of demoralizing as well, right? Knowing that uh, this is what we have in store. This is the um, like Herculean task that we've undertaken, or this Herculean, yeah. Or I guess it's more like a, a, a Sisyphian. It's like Sisyphus, Let's where it's go like Sisyphian. Yeah, because that's like every week we're like, well, maybe this time, like I'll be able to push the rock. Or no, he's the guy that uh, like is trying to drink from the river and can never like get his cup in the river. But it's like maybe there's gonna be some water for me this time in this Nick Cage movie, and it's like nope, no water there. I'm feeling parched. Yeah, I'm fe I'm feeling parched too. I'm missing the those good old days of Joe. Two two movies ago. I mean, it was we've only watched four, so twenty five percent of them have been good. That's true. Um, yeah, it's, those aren't terrible odds. Anyway, I'm sorry. I'm just rambling. But this is the this is what um, the film Knowing has done to my brain. Yeah, Scientology propaganda has fucking fried my mind. Yeah, yeah. How are you doing? Let's talk about some stuff external to the Cage Man and our relationship to him. Um, anything anything of note? Uh, well, um, actually, something I'd like to bring up. Um, oh my god. Uh. I've been uh, playing a video game oh, that came out called Mass Effect Andromeda. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know, I, I decided to create my own character. <gasps> and he looks just like the cage. Man. I, I didn't really, you know, think about that. Um, but as I was playing, my roommate uh, comes in and he goes, hey, um, why did you make Nick Cage? <laughs> oh, no. I haven't even seen this guy yet. I got to take a look. Well, he's blonde. Okay. Alex Ryder, right? Is Scott that Ryder. Scott Ryder. Scott Ryder is the boy. Alex is the, the sister. Yes. Interesting. Well, back to the Cage Man. You, yeah. You look like Cage. You're exploring the galaxy, trying to find a, a new planet to set up roots as the Cage Man. Yeah, and I do. I do. So much in common with the fucking movie we just watched. It's true. A new it's planet. Um kind of a man who has to make sacrifices a leadership role doesn't have the best relationship with his dad um he's basically nick has seeped in to every corner of your life yes we were trying to get away from the fact that nick cage is seeping into the corners of our lives and ruining us mentally and it we like the first time my recreation bring up <laughs> it puts us right back there and it's it's like um it's like built Nick Cage. It's like the Nick Cage. It's mm. like when he looks in a mirror, this is what he sees, is what I created. Well, yeah. One of the things, uh, we can't get away from this movie, but uh, this is like 2009. So this was like post, uh, a couple years um, post Ghost Rider, which he was looking pretty shredded in Ghost Rider, mm. as we all should know. And uh, mm -hmm. But I brought up, I think, the um, the peak of like, 
Nick Cage at his most ripped, at his most shredded, was in Con Air. That's mm-hmm. like when he's wearing that um, like white tank top, and he's just like he's Jack. Yes, he's like crazy. It's it, it, which is a weird thing. Seeing him now in these current movies, and he's a fifty-year-old man. I mean, you know, I'm not saying that like, oh, you need to m- maintain that level of physique, but uh, it uh uh, you I, really you really know what Nick is wearing and when it seems yeah i definitely uh i i think that's just an interesting thing to talk about and and totally and think about it's just like the well and I, I there's also like such a pressure now um and such a big part of like pop culture and like superhero films is like what was chris evans like fucking regiment how did he get ripped like yeah. how did chris pratt what was his like uh workout routine chris is man that, yeah, Big Hemsworth, arms. there's another one. They're all little ripped boys. Christopher. You know, the PE teacher at my elementary school, his son was named Christopher. They're just an athletic group. Was he uh, pretty in shape? David, he was in elementary school with me. <laughs> Don't raise your eyebrows and De- lick your lips like that. Just describe what he looked like. <laughs> um, Jesus Christ, this is, we were so off the rails. Um. I think it's time that we move into a segment called Cage Facts. What are these fucking iguanas doing on my coffee table? There ain't no iguana. Yeah, there are. There ain't no iguana. What the fuck is that? Fucking iguana. We, uh, yeah, we need some goddamn structure in this show. And Cage Facts is going to bring that to us. Well, is this Cage Trivia or Cage Facts? Well... Cage trivia isn't a thing. Cage facts is the trivia game that we've played. We've played two games thus far. We've played Nikki's Nightmare. Yes. And we've played Cage, Cage facts. trivia. Bring it on. Cage facts. Please get the branding right, Derek. Ask me trivia questions about Nicolas Cage in this segment. Yeah. So this is a game uh, that everyone knows by now, um, where we take the the uh, well-known game uh, Two Truths and a Lie, uh, which in uh, someone tells you three statements, and you have to determine which of the two are true and which uh, is a lie. Um, but it's modified for Nick Cage trivia. Are you ready for Nick Cage trivia? Are you ready for the statements? <laughs> yes, my man. For the Cage facts, hit me with those facts. Okay. On his upper back, he has a tattoo of a monitor lizard in a top hat. Jesus Christ. Number two. He was being stalked by a mime until it showed up to the set of one of his films and was arrested. That's true. That's absolutely 100% true. Number three. There is a candy bar available in Japan that features his name and likeness. Oh, wow. So those are the three. I wish. I wish. I hope. I want that cage chocolate. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Just like a goofy face. Of Nick Cage on a chocolate bar? Yeah. I can't. Mm. Yeah. Obviously, I can't discuss this with you as much as I'd like to, but I've got to. I'm hosting this segment right now, so I need to give you space to think. Hey, you do your thing, buddy. You do whatever you got to do to cover your ass. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, do you, what are your thoughts? Uh, well, thoughts about the tattoo? The tattoo. Um, we just saw Nick Cage in the shower. Um, and. You know, his shoulder was. What shoulder did you say? 
upper back. What you said upper back. <laughs> what shoulder did I say? <laughs> no. I, I commented, uh, this is going back immediately to the like level of degree that I scrutinized the male physique, but I, I commented oh on his uh, tries, which were very built, his triceps. Yes, but but the tattoos on his upper back, you said? Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, we don't have to talk about you ogling he is looking fucking ripped up from the dip up. Uh, okay. Uh, I think the mime thing happened. Okay. Because I think it would... Our second stalker story uh, yeah. in this uh, Cage Facts segment. I think he's got stalkers. I think it would flatter him for that story to come out. Um, the tattoo or the chocolate bar. Uh, so sometimes when I see a lot of Nick Cage meat, it's always obscured. In some way, you don't see his entire back. I don't think I've ever Which seen. Just makes me furious, I to know. be honest. <laughs> <laughs> so I think he could be hiding a tattoo. It sounds silly, but he's a silly guy. I'm gonna say the lie is the chocolate bar, just so that if I'm wrong, I have a, a another um, reason to live on the short list of things to see in my life, and I'll be very happy. Mm. Um, but if I'm right, then I'm right, and every man loves to be right, so. Okay. You are correct. I knew it. For the first time in Cage Facts history, okay. Derek got the right. answer that, correct. Okay. You, you, uh, you have a perfect score in Nikki's Nightmare, but this is, uh, mm. you, well, you finally I'm got one right in Cage I'm Facts. learning the cage, man. It's becoming easier. I really can channel him. I knew that mime was real, and the tattoo, I think, earlier in the cage fact uh timeline i might have doubted it but really at this point absolutely and yeah. i've never seen his whole back and i feel like that's a deliberate choice because he'd want to show it off yeah a monitor li lizard in a top hat and that also seems like the type of uh there's certain tattoos that you sometimes see um in films where the the whoever is making that decision is just like oh we don't have to cover this up with makeup or anything like that i feel like <laughs> for this character like a, a professor a very self-serious professor seeing yes. a monitor lizard in a top hat would kind of be a departure for the characterization that they're trying to build for the character yes so it would make sense that it's covered up in this film um but that's the truth no candy bar ah derek i i think i'm i can't remember if i've told you this just in conversation or um if i brought this up on the podcast before but i've been really disappointed at the uh, available Nick Cage merch, merch, the Cage merch. Yeah, yeah. I'm disappointed in it too. I like I've I've looked online. I don't want to reveal necessarily what I found because that might pop up in a future. Um, there's some like weird obscure stuff that is like, oh, why does this exist? Might be a Cage trivia. Might be a Cage fact in the future. But um, I have, yeah, nothing is super exciting. I have to admit, I cheated a little bit on that one what i just how'd you on I, this last question yeah you know what i did you know i felt like the middle one was true and i really kind of was looking all up and down your body and when you were talking about the candy bar you started wringing your fingers a whole bunch and you were like not What's looking that? at me you you lied to lie to i lied like, i lie no, detector you, you uh you tim rothed me i from tim rothed you i saw the signs the tall tale signs you were reading my micro expressions and, and that gave me the confidence interesting i think yeah. that might have that might just be nervous twitching that i always do <laughs> 
<laughs> that's kind of just my natural state. That's true. But uh, but I do know the cage man better than I did. So yeah, yeah. I don't think that's cheating. Okay. What I wanted to say is that uh, if we, if that candy bar existed, we would have to get it in for a live taste oh, test for a segment. You know, I love candy. But I didn't want to say that because I thought that that might be too revealing. Mm. Uh, so what? I, what but you overcompensated and said, "I'm not going to say a single thing about the candy." Yeah. Okay. Okay. Time to get into knowing. Derek, do you want to summarize this one? So Nicolas Cage um, plays a um, good-hearted teacher, yet again, uh, a father. Do you know what he's teaching? Is he? He, he... he says it in the beginning. It's um, like cosmetology or <laughs> cosmology. <laughs> no, I think he's a cosmetologist. It's um, space stuff. He teaches space stuff. Yeah, he's like an astrophysicist or something, I think. Specifically, like, theories and um, Right, yeah, he's talking about, like, determinism. Okay, so at the front, we didn't realize this until later in the film. They're kind of cagey about the fact that this is a a, a Scientology film. (laughs) This is a Scientology propaganda film, much in the same, uh, uh, like, ilk as um, Battlefield Earth. It's it's got some heavy Scientology um, ideas, but it's overtly referencing books in the Bible, yeah. the Christian Bible, and even has close-ups on the Holy Bible, um, so as not to scare people away, or as maybe to distance themselves from Scientology. Right, maybe it's like it inspired less... by Scientology, but it's not quite the same thing. Right, and it's a weird thing too. This is like I- I'm just gonna get into. I think we should talk about the ending of this movie before we talk about anything else. Spoiler alert! Uh, the-, the end of this film. Sorry, did I let you do, do your summarization? All I said was he plays a teacher. He plays a teacher. He's a he- he's teaching his astrophysicist class or astrophysics class, and uh, he. Oh God, this movie. So yeah, let's start at the back. The, are we going to start by the ending or we're we going to start <laughs> this is like a global destruction flick um that's like what it is on the surface but then deep down scientology propaganda film it, it where... revolves around a lot of numbers a code that was written by a woman who can see the future that is very nostradamus-esque that predicts major world disasters including one coming very soon that would destroy everyone on the planet right she's basically this little girl is basically like l ron hubbard who gets like clued in like i forget she yeah she's gone clear is that what it means when you get to see your past lives and like have that connection with i don't know anything about scientology it's fucking insane that's not true i know a little bit about scientology but uh there's a little girl in 1959 who uh, writes all this code, basically, covers this entire piece of paper with um, numbers, and then it's put into a time capsule, cut to 2009, Nicolas Cage's son uh, get, receives this piece of paper. Like, they open up the time capsule, a letter goes to each um, child, and um, Nicolas Cage's son receives this, like, code. And... Everyone else got pictures, which a young bully was oh, yeah. sure to remind the kid in his one line in the movie. You just got numbers? Everyone else got pictures. You suck. And <laughs> but, then sprints away. But there is no actual shot of the boy's mouth moving while the words are coming out because <laughs> yeah. my theory is that 
his performance was so terrible, <laughs> they just couldn't use anything and got shots at the back of his head and ADR'd it, which to me is surprising considering how bad the performance of the young male protagonist is in the film. Uh, it's truly just bad. One of the worst uh, child actors. He had one facial expression the entire movie. Yeah, and it and was it is uh, vacant. Just totally <laughs> apathetic. <laughs> just like... And, and like that... I want people to understand, like, I think it's kind of like a common thing to, like, rip on child actors. Like, oh, this kid... Rip on them. But this kid really, he didn't do anything. Like, everything, every line that he delivered was, like, completely deadpan, like, void of any sort of real, devoid of any sort of real emotion. So much so that it kind of got confusing as to what exactly... He was trying to convey. Like, at all, like, there is a specific moment where he's being possessed and he's writing numbers all over a table, (laughs) and Nick Cage (laughs) snaps him out of it, and he comes to, and he's clearly confused, you know, and and, um, the line is... Did I do that? <laughs> he basically he says it like that. Quote. Instead of like the Did gen- I do like instead of the genuine confusion and being alarmed and honestly wondering if he actually did something that he didn't have control over, he just kind of looks at it and hits us with a did I do that? <laughs> it's so crazy that they weren't well, I, it's one of those things that it's just like kind of baffling. Maybe they were just like just like pushed through and took the first take and really didn't try to get other things for him. Or maybe he was just like incapable. Um, uh, I don't know. Well, you know, he's a child actor, so you don't have much time with him. Yeah, I guess so. Um, it was just, uh, him and the young lady, uh, he, he plays, uh, next to a young girl, young child actress, uh, who is a descendant of, the L. Ron Hubbard woman who writes all the letters. Right, and and really quick, sorry, the the what the letters, uh, what the numbers all end numbers. up representing yeah. are, uh, they're all dates of like catastrophic events in human history, and uh, so it's the date, the casualty, the count. exact mortality rate, which is always perfectly tuned, even when Nick just Google searches on iGoogle. And has a headline of just the number of people dead. Yeah, it's very convenient that they have like the uh, casualty count in every single headline that he googles, and then um, it's the perfect number. Also, he's using iGoogle. Mm-hmm. Which was that ever? Was that a thing, or is that just fake amalgamation well, that's, of Apple? That's a part of the whole. There was no brands in this movie. Oh right, right, right. Yes, because that's... nobody wants to be affiliated with something so closely tied to like a Scientology philosophy. Yeah. That might also be like a belief held in, in like the church of Scientology yes. that like branding and marketing right. is bad. But anyway, uh, so those are the dates. And then there's also like the, so this is basically, it starts out, Nick starts to decipher this code. He's like, Oh my God, three of these dates haven't happened yet. All the other dates are actual events in history that are accounted for. These ones are all set in the future. Um, we need to figure out, like what's going on what's causing this how to stop it (sighs) it's it's like the other movie we just watched pay the ghost was so bad that it was almost like i had to talk about it this one is just bad and makes me sad yeah and it's always you know whenever you see a movie that's super preachy and, and doesn't leave a lot of gray area doesn't like um 
do a good job exploring uh, a spectrum of beliefs and um, perspectives regarding a, a theme or you know an event. Um, that that can be disappointing when it's just like this is the way that this stuff should be perceived, um, and anything outside of that is wrong. So like Nick throughout the whole film is a complete. Uh, he's kind of starts as a skeptic. He's an atheist. He's struggling with that. He's drinking. He has. He's a terrible alcoholic. He uh, has a scene with his son where he basically admits that he cannot confidently say his mother's in heaven because right. he doesn't know if there is a heaven. Um, he's uncomfortable with that idea. Which is just like part and parcel. Whenever you see like religious propaganda films, like their depictions of atheists are just like completely unraveled lost people right there can never be right. uh an, someone who just is not a non-believer who like has their life together to any real degree yeah. an ethical content adult yeah that that's just like oh these things cannot coexist right um so yeah uh and and, and like quickly after nick discovers these codes he's still you know struggling with his uh his status as a skeptic and a non-believer um but like slowly starts to come around to it and it's it's very interesting like we were kind of like attempting to make sense of it because we didn't go into this film knowing it was a uh, a scientology propaganda film i thought it was gonna be like 2012 we got to get yeah, out of the city totally yeah and i was I, I don't know if i finished my thought but i was trying to say that earlier this is like on its surface a disaster flick that then under the surface is is preaching Scientology. Can we talk about Nick Cage's performance in the movie? Instead yes. of describing all of these generic actors and bad plot and Scientology origins. Sure. Yeah, I think that's, get the, to more, the, cage. that's the more interesting conversation. Because he did get to... There were more than one time that I physically threw my fist into the air in a triumphant... There he uh, is. Yeah, like here's the cage that we love, because uh, he he really kind of lets loose a little bit, and the director did not hone him back. Um, so that was fun. We got to see we got to see the cage man uh, raise his voice a little bit and yeah. have that kind of manic. Um, uh, uh, it's almost like unpredictable surges of energy right. that come out of nowhere that are like as his brain is like dwindling into like unraveling. But like in the other films that we've watched where we've gotten those uh, glimpses of that type of performance, um, it's it's they're usually really isolated as they are in this movie. It's like that doesn't carry on. There's no consistency to that uh, mm -hmm. in this film and that in his character in this film. Um yeah, I, I just, it was a pretty underwhelming performance by him. He didn't ultimately. do bad. Like, some of his line delivery is really good, and, and the direction was just kind of not there in moments like um, when he's explaining to his classroom uh, the theory that everything is um, here for no reason and we just exist by accident. Um, you can play that subtly and, like, have those lines have subtext about mm -hmm. your life and about your your wife who was taken from you. But instead, we get, like, a four-Mississippi-second-long Vietnam flashback shot of him staring yeah. at the ground. and um, he just loses train of thought. And one of his students is like, what, what do you believe, professor? Yeah. His students were terrible. He's like, what? 
a lot of a sorry, lot of drifted away. A lot of uh, people who just looked like actors with minimal amount of costume or makeup. Um, some of the scenes in which there's like rioting and looting going on. It was one in particular. There's a guy on his back on top of a car <laughs> and another guy with a trash can lid. Maybe the best moment in the entire film. And he's just trying to whack the guy on the ground, but the guy on the ground's kicking the trash can lid with his foot. And it looks like they're even having fun. Yeah, it looks like he's something you would see in a Broadway performance of Stomp. Yes, but it was supposed to be like a gritty... And I mean, it all looked good. Like, um, it was shot well uh, and some awesome frames. And talk about the leaves in this movie oh my god the autumn leaves has never been so uh, motivated hey i think there should be a new uh, academy award category mm-hmm. for best leave dispersal yeah or weather effects or something because most everything was cg in this movie and it didn't look good but the leaves were real watch this movie Take a drink every time somebody has a bag of leaves and they're throwing it over the camera to make it look like leaves are falling. The best part of it is like how absolutely devoid of perspective they are. So it's all very apparent that they're falling directly in front of the lens and like no or like right on top of the key actors. Yeah, sometimes it'll just straight up hit Nick in the face. I was so excited and looking forward to a shot where Nick just gets a like a handful of leaves just right in his mouth. Yeah. Never happened because that guy's a pro, but they really utilized the leaf guy right. in this movie. If this had been a popular film and like gone on to be nominated for Academy Awards and stuff, there would have been an SNL uh, sketch where they're just like a dramatic scene of dialogue where they're just getting facefuls of leaves. Yes. And, th- and then they would be like cut and they're like, well, we got to Hey, can we tone down these leaves? Because yeah. it was that it was that bad. And also. Uh, one of my favorite things about the leave dispersal was that, that the majority of those scenes, they were under like uh, conifers, like pine yes, trees. Yes, the trees and... in which the leaves were falling all around and raining upon them yeah. like tremendously were not even trees. They were pine trees. Yeah, and like evergreens too. And then the leaves are just like very much like oak, like fall. It's uh, a very, colors. it's a very silly kind of like thing to hone in on and complain about. But that's what I mean by direction. Like I didn't believe people. I didn't believe that they were a student. I didn't believe the deliveries. I didn't believe that this was a real space because I could just right. feel the leaf guy shaking all these leaves. Cause it looks cool on yeah. camera. Like it gives you production value, like lots of awesome production value, lots of crane shots, lots of cool, like, uh, figuring out where we are in terms of establishing shots and awesome lighting, but it, it was just kind of there to look good and yeah. didn't really sell me. Like New York specifically, the entire state of New York, which he visits very briefly, um, just completely felt like a backlot uh, set and every single person was wearing the same thing. It was totally monochromatic so that the actor totally stood out um yeah it looked like a funeral it was like entirely black attire Mm -hmm. and like desaturated blue coloring and uh they did good a little crazy with the coloring like it looks good and some of the shots look really pretty but yeah the final catastrophe is uh a solar a massive solar flare that's going to like wipe out humanity uh and the way that they so the only letters on the note uh, are at the very, very end, and it's an E, E backwards. Yes. Like, what could this mean? So there's all these numbers telling of the who's going to die, where they're going to die, yeah. and then E, E. Yeah, so in place of like the casualty count where, uh, in every other code, there's just the, the letters E, E, 
upon like finding the um where the woman uh who wrote this note originally she like went into the woods and lived in a camper eventually because of course she did uh and they find beneath her bed she's carved in like capital e uh everyone capital e else everyone like, else over, over and over again everyone else everyone else which everywhere is like else. i i think it's probably like because they can't be on the nose with like their scientology labels they can't be like creative at all with the language they use so there's like also these like aliens that are in the movie that are just like x-file goons like the smoking man or something these dudes and they all look like david bowie yeah who yeah they look like david bowie or the nihilist from uh um big lebowski these just like very aryan um men who wear suits and like talk to these whisper at these children and the kids call them the whispering men the whisper people the whisper people is it the whisper men something or whisper people but it it feels just like so non-specific and not at all evocative and it's like oh i mean just like a man in formal attire standing somewhere he shouldn't be is something that like throughout history is like that's kind of eerie like yeah. a man at night if you look out your window and he's in the street and yeah. it's just like, like well dressed yeah yeah that, that's like an eerie uh piece and of imagery they do some really really cool imagery with it like the super wides where it's like the man is standing like kind of near a tree and it's yeah. like just unsettling that's and just then... like a proven piece of imagery that's kind of uh, startling and arresting yes it's like uh in signs when you see like the alien's leg as he goes into there's like a shot very similar to that where he goes into the grass mm, um, yeah. and it's all it looks pretty good but it's like these people are really kind of disconnected from the story and they turn out to just be like alien angels that don't have any lines or any real um, impact on anything other than a way to wrap up uh, humanity starting again after this disaster, which Nick Cage has no control over. Just like most of the movies we've been watching with him, he doesn't have much control over anything, but he yeah. brings a gun anyway. Things uh, just ha- He really doesn't have agency in a lot of his movies. I think that's one of the reasons why... Uh, outside of all of the reasons that Joe are uh, other reasons that that Joe is wonderful. He he has like a lot of agency in that movie. And it's, mm-hmm. that was like refreshing to see um, because that's hasn't been the case in any of these other films. Like, yeah, things happen to him and he is sort of like left to, uh, he, he doesn't even like really react to it in any sort of meaningful or interesting way. It's just, it's just kind of, it feels very passive his participation mm-hmm. in these films, um, which is disappointing, um, because eh, the the relationships that he has with the other on screen characters are disappointing. Like I feel so the two supporting actors in this movie are um, Ben Mendelsohn and Rose Byrne, who are both actors who have now um, gone on to do like great work. Captain Empire from Rogue One. Yeah, yeah, he's the he uh, Ben Mendelsohn is the the bad guy in Rogue One. He's also in like Bloodline. He's really really good in uh, A Place Beyond the Pines and Roseburn, of course, from like Bridesmaids and uh, ton of he kind of just she's in Neighbors, very funny in that. He kind of just uh, plays the role of being someone to have Nick Cage try to convince and sound crazy until he's proven right. Right, I think that's kind of 
uh, again, like pushing the Scientologist agenda of like people who are not within the church mm-hmm. have this like really negative effect of they're just naysayers. Like you understand a truth that these people don't get and they're just going to drag you down and there's no sort of positive force that you or positive aspect that you could have in a relationship where a, a person can't accept this truth. Um, which is fucking sad and bad and a really fucking toxic, shitty thing. And one of the reasons why Scientology is uh, such a bad religion. Yes. Um, but anyway. Uh, Come at me, Tom Cruise. Tweet at me. Yeah, we're going to get fucking taken out. Um, tweet me. Tweet me, Tom. Tweet me, Tom. <laughs> oh, boy. I, yeah, the end of this movie... Um, one of the things that I dislike about it, um, and one of the things that, like, again, is like a real, real staunch stance within Scientology is that Nick never. One of the things that sets Scientology apart from other religions is like it's not a faith based religion as much as it's a religion of people who have been awoken and, like, now supposedly understand something. So it's not based uh, around this uh this um this proposed idea it's based around having your consciousness awoken to the truth of something uh and in this film he remains a skeptic up into the point where the the men that we were talking about earlier the suited uh, mysterious whispering men uh are revealed to be aliens and they're mm-hmm. here to uh take some children take some of earth's children so that they can take them to another habitable um paradise planet paradise planet because earth is going to be destroyed because it's a bunch it's time of... to start over yeah not enough scientologists which at that point it's just very on the nose scientology because that's that is like the basis of scientology and and i think that we were all right that's a theory that we were all planted here by an alien race and that you get your own planet the children their performances never change no um once they meet the first they're scared of them obviously they're scary guys and then and then they just uh you know accept that uh, they're gonna go with them and uh they have white bunny rabbits um that they get to have as pets yeah um huge symbolism there yeah Yeah. i don't get it at all Um, i'm sure there's something within the church that makes that significant what it is is just another thing in the damn movie to uh, sell a certain idea without it feeling real, without these people feeling like they have souls, without relationships seeming actual. Oh, Dave, Dave. Yeah, bad one. Um, I'm hoping that this was also, as we said, this is one of uh, Nick's last like huge studio movies. Yeah, it was definitely a studio movie. Lots of stunts, yeah. lots of huge CG. The graphics of the disasters particularly were insanely graphic. Uh, there's a plane crash and a subway crash and it's almost like they just wanted that to be part of the movies like mise-en-scene is just to have really long civilian casualties yeah just like almost like um like a lustful look at like huge massive disasters and showing the faces of the people who are being destroyed kind of like imagery you might find in like a christian church about hell you know about like warning of death um, but one scene in particular, he kind of um, sees a plane crash right where near him, and uh, they try to do like 
what I feel like is like a Saving Private Ryan, World War yeah, II, or maybe like, like a Children of Men. Cause Children of like Men, one take. It's a one take, handheld kind of like shell shock of him like running, going around. And he's, I guess, I don't understand his motivation. He's trying to help people, um, but one woman he just shakes. <laughs> Another yeah, person. Yeah, a woman is sobbing hysterically. She runs up and like grabs onto him, like uh, trying to ask for help or just like c- like consolation or something. And he just shakes her by the shoulders until she like releases her, jumps off of him and falls over. And like so instead of crazy. like bloody people and arm parts flying, it's literally people with all of their clothes on, just completely set on fire, like yeah. on CG fire, running around like I'm on fire, and nobody stopped dropping and rolling. Right. That's just another one of those things where it's like, oh, this will allow us to keep our PG-13 rating because Possibly. like, the American uh, ratings board believes that like blood is somehow more graphic than a person set ablaze. I mean, it, it, it is, you know, like it is CG fire and CG fire is notoriously hard to do and it definitely doesn't work very well in this movie. There's yeah. even a scene where Nick's trying to help someone in a bunch of fire and he's like walking to the edge of it and you yeah. can just feel the director saying okay the fake fire is like we're gonna put Too it in the computer the it's right here okay so why don't you come right around here and kind of react as if you can just tell he's just like he doesn't really get an idea of what the fire is gonna look like or where it is and it doesn't look natural and and yeah. it, i don't believe really any awkward. of it i don't believe any of it and it's just it's just aged really poorly too this was made in 2009 so it's not even 10 years old but it just looks like shit yeah um yeah, I don't know. Okay. So what were you going to say? Sorry. I don't know, think I was going to say anything. Okay. Well, I think I'm just a little... Uh, dem- oh, what I was going to say is yes. that uh, because this was one of his last big studio films, um, I'm hoping that... And this is like a thing that I'm... You know, I've been hoping... Uh, this is like a thing that I've been banking on while we launched this podcast was that these smaller independent films, there's going to be something maybe a little more interesting happening where there's maybe a little more creative control, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas this like big studio Scientology propaganda film, it's not fucking interesting at all. It's just yeah. boring and shitty. Um, yeah, really bad movie. Okay, let's get into our final thoughts. All right. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. Let's uh, let's think. How how would I summarize how I feel about this movie? Um, I was kind of like enjoying making fun of it and laughing with you. So mm-hmm. I I think that you know if you have a friend who you like making fun of bad movies with and like Scientology is something that's interesting to you. Like I I read um the L. Ron Hubbard um bio- biography Going Clear. Um, and that's like super fucking interesting that there are people uh, in this world that believe in that stuff. So if you're like coming from that perspective, um, you might be interested in just like a purely making fun of it um, perspective. I mean, but... we spoiled a little bit of the real funny, weird parts with the Leafs and did I do that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah, those were the best two moments. Um, these completely like unintended organic moments of weirdness um but yeah uh if you aren't interested in like making fun of bad movies or uh scientology propaganda just definitely skip this one and it gets a bad bad from me i would say if you're someone who's trying to get into writing and you want to write for hollywood movies um but you know it's such fierce competition everyone's trying to do it and you feel like you can't make it i would watch this movie 
and just to tell yourself like this got made and it got so much money it got huge names huge actors and some of the lines in it are literally um not only are they delivered terribly but you know like uh, the kid says something like i'm scared uh, of the uh, you being weird dad and then i'm not a kid anymore which doesn't really make sense at all. He has normal kid yeah, fears. He's, he's eight years old. He's eight years old, and he's describing things he's afraid of, just like a kid yeah. would be appropriately. He's like, I want to go and play soccer in the little league team, and I want to have a sleepover. And then he's, he's like, and Nick's like, well, we'll see about that. And he's like, you're not going to let me do it. I'm not a kid anymore. And it's like, well, you're interested in doing child you're, things. Yeah, you're asking your father permission for going to soccer in a sleepover. So <laughs> you are a child. Um Anyway, uh, watch this movie. Um, Do you would recommend people watch it? If they want to feel oh. confident about their writing abilities, oh, okay. watch this movie. <laughs> That's, yeah. um, I did enjoy making fun of it with you, David. There's a great part where um, a CGI moose is on fire and it's just running around <laughs> and uh, it looks terrible. And um, there's some like funny cage moments where he clearly has like a, a Hollywood stunt driver do some crazy stunts in this big truck and then Nick runs out I think one of my favorite lines is you want you want some of this you want a piece of this and he starts hitting a bat against a tree at the aliens oh yeah um fun cage stuff take a drink every time there's too many leaves take a drink every time the kid has absolutely no expression on his face when he gives a line um and take a drink when nick cage gets a little crazy and you're gonna get drunk and you're gonna have a good time yeah but for me sober derek who had to sit down and watch this stupid movie for this podcast that i regret doing i'm gonna give it a bad bad (laughs) yeah i think that's fair um all right, well, let's move into uh, our next segment, Cage Match. Ding, ding. Hey, buddy, ever heard of a lie? Hey, have you ever been dragged to the sidewalk and being until you pissed blood? <laughs> so right now, our uh, standing ranking of films is Joe at the number one spot, followed by Dog Eat Dog, and then Pay the Ghost. Uh, I would make the argument that this is uh, a more watchable film than Pay the Ghost. I don't know how you'll feel about that. You know, I was thinking that. Um, I definitely say Doggy Dog and well, obviously Joe are better. Mm-hmm. It's going to be they're fighting for last between Knowing and Pay the Ghost. And because um, Pay the Ghost, like we said, had some really beautiful shots and some cool lighting setups. And this movie had some beautiful shots. I think this movie was a little bit more like. I don't know, like traditionally American made for like American audiences. It's a little more digestible. It seemed to be at least a little tiny bit more cohesive than Pay the Ghost. Um, Even though they both have like a bad like writing on the wall of some stupid line. Going back Um, on it now, I'm not sure. I don't, well, no, Dave, think about Pay the Ghost, the stinger at the end with the woman who falls out of the tower and and all the birds i didn't like that but i liked the uh climactic finish of pay the ghost where they're fighting on that bridge yeah i mean yeah i don't know what what were you gonna say that you agree with knowing should be uh pay the ghost should be last i mean i don't know they're both so bad i also kind of just want to well i shouldn't do this i shouldn't allow my um personal beliefs um to enter well maybe i should i mean but I, I kind of just want to punish this movie for being, like, really, really shitty propaganda. Right. 
like a part and pay the ghost at, at the end of the day is innocuous right it's like completely benign it's not like taking any sort of a stance and this is actively but that makes me almost want to punish pay the ghost more because yeah, it's a you but know scientology is real fucking horrible and like ruins people's lives in a way that like you know like something that doesn't take a stance like at, at a certain point like active evil this is like a weird ethical conversation. Well, now, well, but, active but evil is worse than complicity, or it's just, just like not taking a stance. It's just uh, interesting that they specifically brought Christian imagery and the Bible into yeah. this movie, right? Um, and it ultimately ends up not the pastor. Uh, his dad dies. Like all of the people, like it, it, it isn't enough to save them. And you know what? Pay the ghost. One thing that I will say, it did very well. Is like the the scene in which everyone's running from the disaster, and there's a bunch of that's a big set piece of people. That didn't feel real or believable at all. But the like Halloween fair mm -hmm. had some awesome art, awesome extras, lots of stories being told in the frame. Um, but man, it, also a better child actor in Pay the Ghost. Definitely a better child actor. Um, I mean, I guess. Um, cause yeah, the first scene annoying where he's talking about dad's famous Saturday chili dogs. And I did yeah, not I wrote down the line verbatim. It's dad's famous hot dogs on the go. Okay. Yeah. You know what? Pay the ghost beats it. <laughs> knowing he's at the bottom. Cause you know what? Like also after I watched pay the ghost, you heard it on the podcast. I was energized to talk about how much I liked little pieces of it and yeah. how much i hated pieces of it and how much they missed and could have done but better that's sort of what i meant um when i was making my point about those smaller uh films where you you're gonna have these people um who are just like oh i have the freedom to do like cool stuff here right and even if that those are people on the production side uh you get to see that whereas knowing is just like very very bland from a production yeah. standpoint i mean nothing in knowing is probably as bad as like the um woman who gives all the exposition at the like yeah. pagan fair but overall well having the little kids give all of the exposition at the end of this movie was pretty bad as well because they there he's basically like the mouthpiece for the aliens nick cage's son is like the mouthpiece for these aliens and seeing this emotionless little boy do an expo dump about how they're taking them somewhere and like, i, I kind of like nick's uh relationship with his ex-wife in pay the ghost more than mm -hmm. nick's relationship with this woman yeah which was another thing i wanted to touch on very quickly there's a scene in which he's talking to this woman and um it's the woman who's the daughter of the woman who did all the numbers right um yeah. the original um nostradamus this is rose burns character yes and uh, he's having like a chat with her and things are going well and he's sitting and having a drink with her and he's very nervous and strange and awkward and i remember you saying nick cage likes to always be a sex symbol mm -hmm. and always be desirable so i felt him really feeling uncomfortable and reeling back from performing like a man who does not feel confident or desirable to a woman, even though she still gives him looks of affection during his horrible strain. It's very strange. It's really weird deliveries. Like nothing else in the movie has, has mu as much like missteps of deliveries as yeah. him talking with He's her. He's just not participating with her in the, that scene. It's like nothing that she is doing is informing any sort of response. He's not in the moment at all. And I've noticed this actually, even in some of his older films, like when I feel like he was more consistently producing good work, he doesn't um, always um, play like a super, I think he puts more thought 
into his performance and has more has made decisions about how he's going to play a scene and isn't really playing off of his scene partner that mm. much sometimes. Mm. Um, and I feel like we really, really saw that in, in this movie. Um, I felt bad because Rose, Rose is like doing good she, stuff. She um, had to like, have, I feel like she's the best performance in this film and her character sucks. And, and it's kind of like, I don't care much about her, but she had to like have multiple scenes where she had to like kind of, chug through really like non-subtle dialogue about her past but she still managed to get emotionally there and have yeah. a few rollers going on like down her cheeks and she cries a lot in the movie and has to play manic and she does it well she's working for her money big time totally in that movie which makes sense why she's not in shitty films like this anymore yeah which is good for her yeah okay what so. the heck cage <laughs> so yeah joe's at her number one spot followed by dog eat dog yep. then pay the ghost and yes. at the bottom of the barrel knowing i did not think something was going to beat pay the ghost for a long time yeah. Or, I mean, I didn't think something was going to be worse than Pay the Ghost. Yeah, for I a long hope time. that um, knowing sort of proves to be our bedrock for a while and nothing really uh, <laughs> drills past that. But who knows? Uh, yeah. Anything's possible. Um, I'm going to run out. Actually, before I uh, we do the news segment, I got to run out and go grab that stuff. So hold, can you oh. just fill some air really quick? Yeah. I've been trained for this. Um. David's kind of the backbone of the situation. I get real uncomfortable when it comes to being alone. But we're going to do... Oh, that's weird. Hello? Uh, Hello? Who is this? Hello? Is this, uh, is this, is this a Joe Rogan experience? No. Um, sir, are you... Uh, sorry, I think you've got the wrong building. This is Contemporary Cage? Oh, this isn't the Joe Rogan. I was invited to be uh, to come on the Joe Rogan experience and uh, debunk chemtrails for the fourth time for Joe and his audience. I can tell you have a good radio voice. Uh, Thank you. Can I ask, are you a celebrity astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson? Yes. Uh, yeah, I am. From the show about a stars. Fan. Oh, what? A fan. Of me, Joe Rogan? No, I, I was assuming you were a fan of me because you... Rec oh, recognized me. I thought you were a fan of Contemporary Cage. Uh, I don't know what that is. What is this? It's a podcast you are currently guest starring on. What, what, what sort of things do you talk about? Oh, we talk about... Um, the cage of belief and how to be freed from it and follow the truth of scientific fact is, uh, is the true freedom of the humans. I don't like how you look at me when you say that, like you're excited to eat me. But listen, well, how do you feel about... Do you have a... Uh, any food? Any crafty at this studio? <laughs> no, Neil. I we're a little low budget around here. Oh, we, okay. Which, well, what are you talking about in here? Scientology. Oh, okay. I worked on a movie once about Scientology, actually. Oh, did you? Yeah. It was called Knowing. Oh, did you? Yeah. This is really interesting. Why is that, Neil? Because we were just having a conversation about that very film. Interesting. Um. So you worked on it, huh? That's uh. Yeah, I was invited by the studio to come in as a scientific uh, consultant on mm. the film, but they kind of just ignored all my advice, and I was just relegated to the, the crafty table. Right. Remember the food there? Yeah, what kind of stuff you like on that table? What cheese do you look sticks. for? Cheese sticks. Cheetos? Yeah. Uh, little cheese cubes? Cheese, mostly cheese yeah. stuff and cheese objects. Mostly cheese stuff. Cheese shapes. I tried to point out... Uh, one of the uh, sequences in the film when the Earth is being annihilated by the solar flare. Mm -hmm. 
there were some inaccuracies uh, in the way that the water was evaporating. Um, mm. Similar to my popular uh, theory that BB-8 would not have been able to roll around on the... I have heard that. I know you got a little sand. a little upset about BB-8's physical properties in it that Star bullshit. Wars. Yeah, I know, but like... Uh, the thing is, he's so cute, and people don't, you know... If you're going to call it science fiction, make sure to get the science side right. Well, I got to say, this is some really great production value you're giving us on this on this show here. I got to say... Um, what are you talking about? Uh, I just... It's just a fortunate happenstance. Um, do you know the... Do you, how do you feel about the actor Nick Cage? Can we get your thoughts on this uh, guy? I got to hang out with the Cage Man a lot, actually, in the film. Uh, when he I was likes cheese sticks, the, too, or...? We really bonded over the cheese sticks, the Cheetos, the cheese cubes. Yeah. He's a big fan of all three. Great. So you guys have a lot in common. Yeah. He was forced uh, to do the film, actually, by the Church of Scientology. Oh. Uh, I wasn't even aware that it was a, a Scientology propaganda film at the time I was working on it. But, but you uh, would say so now? Yeah. After I, I went to watch it, I got a, a screener, which I was very excited about. They don't send those out to me very often. Right. I've got... um. You know, I don't work in Hollywood. I, I like that world, but I'm not really a part of it. Um, but they sent me a screener for knowing, and uh, I watched it, and I said, wow, this is a lot of bullshit. Yeah. Uh, kind of like that BB-8 all over again. Can't it was like BB-8, but uh, it cut deeper because they ignored all of my notes, all my scientific notes that they had hired me for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, if there's if there's maybe a movie you'd recommend... Did you guys notice the leaves in the movie? Yes, we did, actually. We really did. How do you feel scientifically that about that? That was my one note uh, that I gave them that they listened to. I said, you got to get the leaves. You got to kick up the leaves in this movie. More leaves, you said. It's fall, and what do you see in the world when it's fall? What is falling? Why do we call it fall? Exactly, Derek. Yeah. Well, you you did something right. We did have a good time watching those leaves. Hey, thank you. I hope nobody had My allergies. Small contribution. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I got to head out to the studio apartment okay. in Van Nuys where I'm shooting season two of Cosmos. Cosmos. We'll plug it in here to our listeners if you know of Cosmos. No Nick Cage, but a whole lot of good science. Yep. And so that was uh, a no on the cheese sticks? You don't have any? You know, we don't have anything. I'm Do sorry. you know where Joe records? Uh, Joe, um, you know, I have not met Joe. I would try uh, in a totally different building far away from here. It's not this building? No, this is my house. Well, that's disappointing. Yeah. All right. Well, he, last time I didn't show up, he had Alex Jones fill in for me, and uh, he talked about vampires and Pizzagate, which is something that I'm sort of uh, against it's a, a weird thing where Joe listens to Alex with the same level of intent and respect that he listens to me talking about actual scientific phenomena, mm. um, and that's just a, a, something that kind of burns me about Joe. But I guess uh, that's not really this isn't the really place to talk about that. Hey, you know uh, we can be your soapbox anytime. You're always, you're a friend of the show. You're always welcome back on well, thank Contemporary you. Cage. You got a nice in with the Cage Man, and you Appreciate made it that. happen on uh, knowing you know it was a bad movie, but at least got those leaves in. Got some good leaves in. All right, if I uh, come back, you'll have. Cheese sticks? Yeah, we're going to have all sorts of cheese for you next time you come back. We'll make sure we do that way. You'll, you'll come back, and then we can uh, really get into it. Sounds good. Okay. See you later. See you, Neil. How do you, do you like my hat? Oh, yeah. I love your hat, Neil. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> hey, Eric. Uh, uh, Dave. Was that fucking Neil deGrasse Tyson that just walked out? Yeah, I didn't. I kind of forgot his name at first. I knew he was on the... I always get weirded out when I see that guy because he looks Hi. like... If you watch his show, 
He looks at you. I know he's excited about science, but it looks like I'm a big piece of chocolate cake and he mm. wants to eat me. I think that's his uh, hunger for human curiosity and just instilling human curiosity in the viewership. Wow, you should have been here, man. I, I, I'm know, a big fan. I told him to come back. We're going to need to get a lot of cheese. My, uh, he needs cheese? Yeah, he's kind of, um, uh, he's kind of runs on cheese, I guess. <laughs> Cheese-operated man. Hey, cheese is the fuel for most scientists, I believe. I don't know. Uh, let's move into Cage News. Cage News! Um, well, Cage News. A little slow today? A little slow. We got a story out of uh, Laura Dern, one of my favorite actresses, who is a Nick's co-star in the David Lynch film um, Wild at Heart. And uh, she, while working on that film, or maybe shortly after it, was offered the part in Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. And was unsure about it until... A certain friend of hers spoke up and said, well, if I was, uh, if I could have any co-stars in the world, I would have dinosaurs. So, so Nick Cage <laughs> <laughs> told her, this was like a, a story she told on a late night show, I think on Kimmel or something, uh, about how Nick Cage convinced her to be in Jurassic Park. Wow. And she's so good in it. She's great in it. And she was in some other stuff right after, too. I mean, she's been in a lot. She's in uh, the HBO series Enlightened, which is legit one of my favorite TV shows, Underwatched. Wasn't she on the first episode of the newest season of Black Mirror? Mm, I don't think so. Oh. Lord, oh, no, I think you're thinking. Oh, no, I'm talking about... Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm talking about Laura Dern uh, in the original Jurassic Park. Oh, Not... sorry, this was Cage News. I didn't realize yeah, we were yeah. going back. Well, this is, I mean, to the Spielberg days. I think days. you're talking about uh, Bryce Dallas Howard. That's who I am talking about. Yeah, but Laura Dern, of course, is esteemed actress. Um, Wild at Heart, truly, her performance in okay, that movie yeah. is fucking insane. It's so good. Um, that's a great movie, just in general. That would be one of my, uh, at the top of my list for uh, an episode of Classic Cage. I Classic think. Cage. Yeah. Can't wait for that. Mm-hmm. Especially after this BS. Yeah, oh my God. I, I think maybe like, I don't know. We'll talk about that off mic. We'll talk about that later. But anyway, so that's a piece of news. Other than that. That's news? Yeah. And that's it? Literally the only piece of news regarding Nikki. Oh my god. Nick, what are you doing? He's probably busy working on He's movies. He's busy fucking churning films out. He's giving us content. We're about to get um what's it called? We're about to get a film called Vengeance, I believe, which has a release date of when. Yeah, it's called Vengeance: colon, A Love Story. Very dramatic, passionate. I'm excited to see what the cage brings but to yeah, this new a, movie. That's a super. That's a. It might actually already be out on VOD, so we might have to watch that shit. Okay. Well, um, not... it's a a Gulf War veteran seeks vengeance against those who assaulted a single mother. It's very much in line. That yeah. sounds like the all protector, of films. the teacher, the warrior. And I guess a, a good transition, since we don't have any Bachelor Minute this week, there's literally oh, no Bachelor no. content uh, at all, outside oh, of... This season on The Bachelor. 
mm-hmm. uh, Racheler the ba- Rachel Racheler <laughs> Racheler the Bachelor Rachel the Bachelorette was on Ellen this past week with a number of her hello Ellen a, a number of her eligible bachelors and oh. it was interesting too because they were shooting something for the show right they were shooting like a date for the show but it was also like coincided with this ellen show show. yeah um so it'll be interesting to see to watch her season and like watch that episode well i'm sure you will be watching that episode yeah and i'll be talking about it on here but anyway we got to meet some of the men we didn't really get a great sense well one of them is kind of like shitty actually they're talking about like who kissed rachel first and uh two of the guys i guess had kissed her um and one of them like says in front of the entire Ellen audience and Rachel and Ellen and the rest of the contestants, he's like, "You got my sloppy seconds," which is just a shitty thing to say about a girl that you're currently dating, yes, that, and that you want a future with, like referring to her as sloppy seconds in that moment. So that guy looks like a piece of shit. Okay, and, like, and he, I don't want to learn anything else about him. Yeah, I don't either, honestly. I, you know, we got to wrap it up. I think we've gone over time. I'm sorry to break up The Bachelor. Next week, minute. we are watching the film Stolen. It's available on Netflix, 2012. Uh, his version of yeah. Taken. So, and then, yeah, and then a sort of like similar um, uh, plot to a film like Vengeance, a love story. He like goes and tries to save his daughter or save a woman damsel in distress shit so that should be bad um all right i'm excited for that one more than this one yeah i want to see him uh get intent i want to see him do some stuff i want to see him have some agency he's I'm been so robbed freaking mine, you know he's, he's been so robbed of his agency i want to where see is see that mojo that. that we know that we know now um okay but that's it thank you so much for being here with me derek it was a doozy And we'll see you all next week on Contemporary Cage. Contemporary Cage.